0: The connection in my brain that enables me to speak wasn't working. I couldn't say my name in my head, but I couldn't say it out loud. Now, Jessica, out loud means something to me. You understand?
1: Yes, yeah. I think that was the really difficult thing. Um, I, could, I knew what I wanted to say, I just couldn't say it. And um, really it was, um, I'm without the power of voice and the power of speech, you are very vulnerable. And um, lots of things happened to me that shouldn't have happened because I couldn't speak out.
0: Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. The world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward, the journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable. But knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. Nobody ever wants to see uh, a young person, a kid. There's something, there's something not quite right about a, a child who gets sick, who gets a uh, a serious disease. I think all of us, as adults, we. When we see that, we want to we wanna help the kid, we want to do something. That's kind of where we'll start with the story today here. I'd like you to meet our brain thinker today, Jessica Taylor Bierman. Out of Rochester, England. Jessica, this is uh, really most interesting with you as we bring and dial it all the way back uh, to uh, when you were about, what, 14, 15 years old?
1: yes it, it's a story that starts off when I was 14
0: so you' you're, you're, you're living in Rochester England normal situation normal kid uh, doing normal things as a kid right
1: yeah I had an absolutely normal start to life um, yeah. but when I turned 14 I caught a virus a flu virus
0: let, and... let me let me go with this whole of the flu virus so that's what you initially that's what you initially yeah. thought it was right
1: yeah. Yes, and, that was yeah. But
0: it became much more than that. Let's talk about some of those symptoms early on. Uh, what what was happening?
1: So I had um, incredible exhaustion, but um, when I would stand up, it was a type of virus that would make you um, go very dizzy and lightheaded and you'd collapse down. So you were kind of bed bound for the, for the duration of the um, virus. But my problem was, it just didn't go. I just didn't feel completely well again. I haven't done since.
0: So you didn't feel well then, and and you said you haven't felt well since?
1: No, so um, it was from that that I started to get the um, ME, um, also known in America as Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Um, And yeah, I haven't actually felt completely well, since okay. I was fourteen.
0: So, Jessica, is this is this a disease that is hereditary nature? Is genetic? Is it what, what is it, or is it just just happens?
1: They they don't know enough about ME um, because okay. there is not enough research going into it. Um, it's it's one right. of those conditions that has many different faces. It's mm-hmm. invisible, and um, people all are different in how they can't. uh, So everyone has a different, um, case and, um, there's no one case that's the same as another.
0: Which makes diseases like that very difficult because when they are rare diseases, it's even more challenging because that means there's not the money behind it, right? That's what happens normally, right?
1: Yes, it, it is. And, um, ME is a neuroimmune disease. Um, and, there's there's quite a lot of um uh, people don't understand it and right. they believe that it could be psychosomatic mm-hmm. um oh
0: really yes
1: yeah, so it's had the same thing that ms had um 50 okay. years ago
0: okay.
1: when people thought that was um a mental illness until they they had a scanner which showed up what was happening. And ME is very similar to that. So
0: Interesting, um, yeah. So, yeah. And the ME, ME uh, stands for?
1: Myalgic encephalomyelitis.
0: Right, and that is indeed a multiple. Bit
1: of a tongue twister. <laughs> it is
0: indeed a multiple, young lady. All right, so bringing it back there to, to the age when you're 14, 15 years old, so you thought you had the virus, bring us back to that point as a young woman because and, and let me tell folks now that you're 28 now so let's draw some parallels here so quite a few years have gone by since you were 14 15 years old right
1: uh, yes
0: years but yeah. but dialing it back to 14 15 tell us what life was like then what was happening to you and what, what took place
1: so I was a very active teenager um I enjoyed um, going to the theatre um, doing things with my friends and my family very outgoing and um, after I got the virus because it started off with the virus and what happens is that triggers the ME um, and so from that point I really um, started to struggle because I just couldn't do anything that I had i I used to do so the first thing I noticed was um when I went up the stairs at school, I couldn't get up the the flight of stairs in one go. that was basically showing that I was so fatigued
0: and but you didn't know why that was obviously I didn't I mean, know why that
1: was no, you're fifteen and, years
0: old and you can't walk up a flight of stairs yeah, right
1: and, yeah. yeah, and the and the virus had left, but it had left this um residue um which basically affected and poisoned my system i didn't know how to um get better um so i tried my hardest i didn't want to be sick so i just kept going and i just ran myself to the ground
0: wow wow i read something i gotta share with you that catches my eye back that ran in the Daily Mail, which we all know that publication. And the headline is striking to me, and I'd like you to elaborate on this. It says, I've got the bones of a 100-year-old because I've been in bed for seven years. And it says, 22-year-old with severe ME could break a rib by just sitting up too fast. Tell us about that, please. What does that mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I, basically, where I was bedbound from the age of 15 um, through to, Literally, I was 26 when I started um, to get out a bit more. Um, Literally, what happened was, obviously, puberty happens over that time. And that's when you get a lot of your bone density. But if you're not getting gravity on your bones, it's like you're orbiting in space. Okay. You're not getting the um, right. what the body needs to be able to put um, bone density into the bones. So I ended up with very severe osteoporosis. Wow. And I was at yeah. 19, no, at 18, I, was, um, I had the bones of a 100-year-old.
0: Is that still the case today, Jessica, or has that changed?
1: Um, amazingly, it has actually changed. I was told that they couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. and um you know the best they could do was maybe get me out into a chair and that was it um but i wasn't um i didn't want to accept that um, i believed that i should be able to get back what i had before so you were
0: fighting to get back to some sort of normalcy in your life yes yeah, so- in all those years was you at home or in the hospital or bed care or back and forth in those seven years you described here where were you
1: So um, for the first four years, I was in hospital and then I spent, I I literally didn't come home at all. And then I spent the next three, four years in and out of hospital very poorly at points. Mm -hmm. Um, It changed dependent on what happened. Right,
0: right. How do you stay in a hospital for four years?
1: Well, (laughs) the problem was I was just too unwell. To go home, it was to, when I I was tube fed, so I was fed through a nasal gastric tube, mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't move, I couldn't speak, I literally it was like like a corpse being there, you know. It's I'm like being the, in yeah. a coma.
0: I'm looking at the photographs of you yeah. here now, and I see exactly what you're saying, um, and they are striking clearly.
1: Yes. I think the problem is with, um, cause mm-hmm. at that point I had very severe ME okay. and the problem with that is there are, we are the voice of sufferers, you know, um, you don't hear about them and you don't see them because of course they're generally bed bound, stuck in a house or in a hospital and, um, you just don't see them. So those pictures, we're taking obviously they're light sensitive, s- sound sensitive, so every, every, and even touch sensitive. So um, every aspect is of your life is affected, um, and it's only been recently that you've, I've started to see pictures of other people who are sufferers of very severe ME because they're just too poorly. To be on social media, well, it's um, your everything. life
0: from you. Obviously, it's it steals yeah. your life. I mean, and you're at a point of mercy at that point. Uh, what was the prognosis for you back then? What did they say?
1: Um, yeah, the, it was it was very difficult. Um, I wasn't told at the time what they were actually thinking, but my parents were taken to the side on quite a few occasions and said to hold on to me because that was the best they had and um that I could very easily pass away from it.
0: Right, sure. Uh With the stats of ME, do you have any idea, are there any stats of how many people die from this?
1: Well, it's a very difficult... um subject to kind of go across because right. there in the UK there are two hundred and fifty thousand sufferers of any wow. but only but twenty-five percent of them are severely affected. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a huge range of what people are actually suffering with. But in the UK and I think it could be further than the UK but they are there there's only been two deaths that have been confirmed by me Mm. um the the idea is that it's much more common than um, people would expect but because generally what happens is um you get something else which causes the so because your immune system is so low you catch something else and that can cause you to um to not make it um but also there's just um there have probably been a lot of deaths that have been caused by the ME, but they just haven't got the um, expertise to know if it was the ME that caused it.
0: Right. There's a lot of unknowns with this disease, very clearly. Yes.
1: A, yeah, lot, of a lot of unknowns. And
0: that comes a lot with the fact that it is a rare disease. Uh, you don't have the money going into research. And this this is the way it is with a lot of rare diseases where – you Know and, and it's really the luck of the drawer, isn't it, Jessica? You know,
1: right? Yes, it, it is, and I think um, mm. the, the problem is there's just not been enough biomedical that's research. That's it. Um, so unfortunately, people like me were just left suffering, that's and it. um, yeah.
0: yeah, well, you can't cure what you don't know, you see. No. Uh, you I have mean, to know to be able to cure, yeah,
1: yeah, and it's, it's very difficult yeah. to um, kind of. Get your head round um, that right, right. there is no science out there to show what you're suffering. Now,
0: while all this was going on, you also have a dramatic weight loss, I understand, right?
1: I lost oh, a, a ridiculous amount of weight. Mm-hmm. I went down to um, under, I, was, I think I was 36 kilograms. I'm five for wow. eight. wow. And so that was very thin, yeah. and yeah. Um, I literally had tubes keeping me alive at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's beyond anorexic looking.
1: Yes, um, there's, there's, even when I had got better, I had come out of hospital. I hadn't got better; I was still yes. ill, but I had got become well enough to be transferred home. Mm. Um, I still ended up going backwards very often. So it was very much about taking one step forward and about six steps backwards. Um, and I, I lost, um, I had problems with my digestion, which is common in very severe ME. Mm-hmm. Um, and so literally I couldn't stomach anything and my weight dropped extensively you know it was it was very worrying and I think for the first time my dad is incredibly um positive i come from a medical family my mom's a nurse and my dad's a paramedic wow and that was the first time my dad openly admitted that he thought he was bringing me home in a coffin
0: sure Wow, and isn't that wild with your mom and dad having medical experience? you know uh, probably a blessing, I would think, uh, in the knowledge that they had and dealing with a lot of the challenges that were being you were being faced with, right
1: I think what was really useful about it was they knew how to fight my corner. Um, because at one point where they just could not understand what was going on and how I was getting so ill, they tried to put me in a locked ward in a mental institute. And it was only due to my parents fighting and getting help from a neurologist Mm -hmm. that I managed to be taken to somewhere which wasn't going to harm me further.
0: Right. Jessica, does anybody ever get cured of this?
1: No, um, I think so, some people feel that they've gone into remission, mm-hmm. um, but it's always around. So, right. um, so you can get, as I say, I used to be at zero percent functionability, mm-hmm. so I couldn't even watch anything on the television. I couldn't speak. I couldn't. It was literally like just lying there. Um, okay. But you can go up to different percentages. So now now of course i I do a lot more with um share a star um and obviously writing a book um but still yeah. um Emmy greatly affects my life.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I want to talk about all of that, including the book and uh, including the art and the work you've been doing uh, and the inspiration where this came from and where the turning point of a lot of this was coming from. We'll do that, friends, on the other side of this uh, message in just a moment here. But let me first bring to your attention that uh, The Brink of Greatness uh, is, is, is a platform that is truly unique. Uh, because we're, again, showcasing stories like you hear Jessica here, uh, and they're unique stories. Uh, um, what I feel is uh, celebrating humanity. I call it celebrating the best of humanity with some of the coolest people on the planet. Uh, people that sometimes have hit a wall, uh, have got, seen the, sometimes the worst part of life, but have not only come through it, but they have gotten stronger because of it and have prevailed to, uh, to, to, to new heights. Uh, They've become a success. Uh, And you'll see just ahead here uh, that uh, Jessica is one of those people, I think. And as you hear the first part of the story here of the sickness of ME, um, it's it's profound, obviously, what happens to one. And, you know, I'm asking all the questions you might be thinking, like, do you ever get over this? And how does it happen? And, you know, what one goes through. Uh, it's obviously a, 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 you know, it's dramatic and traumatic, but it's a it's a life changer, very much a life changer. Um, friends, we're going to pick this up in just a moment on the other side of the brink. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity news blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. From a darkened world, Bound by four walls, a young woman called Jessica tells the tale of her battle against the M.E. monster. It's a severe form of neuroimmune disease, and it went to war with her at just 15 years old. From beneath her dark glasses, Jessica glimpses a world far different from the one she remembers as a teenage schoolgirl. Well, this true story follows her path as she ends up living in a hospital for years with tubes keeping her alive. A heroine story follows the highs and lows of this outrageous disease and being hospitalized for long, long periods of time. Captured through her voice, activated a technology diary called Bug that enabled her to fulfill her dream of one day becoming an author. It provides a raw, real-time honesty to the story that would be impossible to capture in hindsight, Jessica Taylor Bierman is our brink thinker today, friends. It's Malcolm Out Loud here with Kevin Williams. I want to know all about that bug, Jessica. What is bug? Tell us. A
1: uh, bug is an. It was a device that changed my life, really. Um, it was a voice-activated um, dictaphone. So a microphone was held, was clipped to my clothes. And um, every time I I used a code to because I couldn't say words in in a in a full sentence or paragraphs, so I would use like words. Um, I would use sounds to get what I meant. So, for example, I would click my tongue for um, make like a clicking, noise I was like, and that would mean I needed a drink um so it was it was very much that that so you but couldn't
0: 18, talk at all then jessica
1: no no i couldn't i could i could speak it took me um about 18 months to learn how to speak again
0: 18 um, months to learn how to speak in hold on it what yeah. age was that please where you had to learn how to speak again
1: yeah so so basically um when you are unable to do something because you don't have the energy to do it your brain forgets how to do it and
0: it.
1: you know so people would say would be talking you know say something you but my brain didn't have the connection mm-hmm. but to that and my mouth to be able to speak
0: uh, this miracle that we are we're all walking miracles you know that Jessica
1: absolutely
0: you know, we all walk in miracles. Think of all the pieces and all the parts that make all of us unique and who we are. And that all has to function at one time for us to be talking. I'm listening to you talking right now and you sound magnificent. Compared back to them having to move your lips and this and that. And I'm thinking, wow, well, that's, you've come far from that. So obviously a lot's happened from that point to now. And and I got to tell you something. I, I want to talk more about the girl behind dark glasses and why that is. But I, I've got to ask you a question. The photographs I'm looking at, there's one in particular I'm looking at. You're in a bookstore. Uh, Well, first of all, I see the ones where you're in the bed with the tube and all of that with the dark glasses on. And then I see one in the bookstore with the poster behind you, a girl behind dark glasses, and you're sitting there with sort of a gray sort of a jacket on as a young lady. About how old are you in that picture, please? How far back
1: is that? Um, I was 27.
0: So this is about a year ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, and you look absolutely amazing in this photograph, by the way. I just want to give you a big hug when I see you in that picture.
1: Oh, thank you. you. Know,
0: because you look like that kind of a person, you know? You look really though. You look like just a person you want to hug and say hello and have a conversation with. Now at this point at that photograph is being taken, are you, you're able to walk around and do normal things?
1: Uh no. So basically I I'm pretty much all wheelchair bound. Um I can walk um a little bit. Um so quite a few But you're in a wheelchair steps.
0: now. Yeah? Pretty yeah, much?
1: so I'm in a wheelchair now. And
0: here. I wanted to and the reason I bring that up and ask you because I i thought from that picture that might be you might be in a wheelchair. I can't really tell, you know what I'm talking about in the black uh yeah. your head. Yeah, I, I couldn't really tell because it could be a chair as well, Jessica. But yeah. I didn't realize you were still in the wheelchair. So all right, so let's dial it back now. Tell us where this whole story of first of all why the girl is behind dark glasses. What is what is the significance of those glasses, please?
1: So basically with Emmy you get um sensitive to light. Dependent on the severity is how um how much you need dark glasses. But basically I couldn't I couldn't cope with the, the um, sensory overload of um, a normal day, mm-hmm. having light in the room or anything. I would need dark glasses for that. Right. And when I went into hospital, obviously a hospital is incredibly bright. Um, and I basically had to wear the dark glasses all the time. So in the uh, from the early, all day, 24 hours a day, and at my first hospital I was at, um, which was a pediatric ward, um, they actually didn't even know what color eyes I had. They never seen me open my eyes. Wow. Because I was always hidden behind dark glasses. So the and sensitivity
0: that... from the lights was tremendous on your eyes and your Yeah. Brain. So the glasses were to protect you.
1: Yeah, and that's basically where um a girl behind dark glasses comes comes from because People knew me as the girl behind our glasses, not yeah. as Jessica, not as Jess, anything like that. It was just actually um, the glasses depicted who I was.
0: Yeah, wow. And the whole visual of you there now in the bookstore uh, is not lost on you know. It does not escape me for a moment what you've been through, and just the journey from you to get to that bookstore let's talk about that journey just a bit here now to get to that point, because that was about a year ago. And as you see yourself in the bookstore and you'll see the picture friends, because we'll have it in the post on the brink of and on americaoutloud dot as well. And you'll see the picture of Jessica, how fun- fantastic she looks here. Uh, But, and and you'll see the other photographs where she struggled through this uh, problem and the disease that was uh, taking her life from her. Um, So bringing it back to that point then now, Jessica, so you're in a wheelchair now. So let's talk about the, through this whole experience now, when was the turning point that, how did you get, and how did you convince yourself that it would get better because there were no guarantees for you. They told you at one point, this could be it, the best you might be at at best. How did it get better? Uh, What was the impact on you? Why did it get better? And where were your thoughts are at that time? I think
1: it's it's a very um, challenging subject to talk about because literally there's no answer as to exactly why I – have improved um and you know so someone in my case you know I had a friend um who um had very severe me as well, and she passed away from the condition and she would have done everything that I did, but she just didn't get better so there's no actual miracle cure there's no um way of just getting better it's just um I describe it as it's like sowing seeds um every single thing you do in therapy in um in rest and what you're what you're doing every time you're planting a seed but that seed doesn't always grow and then for some reason it feels like um you, you do one thing and then it, they all start to grow and um, it's not something necessarily you've just done. It could be something you did a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was always very positive. Um, I, I just, I literally was so naive. I did not know that you couldn't get better from me. So um, I literally dreamt of, I think in my mind, I was going to be 19 and traveling the world um, with my book um, because now, that, wait, wait, was wait. that was
0: in your mind, you said?
1: Yeah, so I always had this thought that I was going to write a book um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to um, let it go everywhere. And yeah, in my mind, I actually found it harder turning 19 than I did mm-hmm. turning 18 because at 19, I was still completely bedridden. Very poorly. You weren't
0: progressing like you wanted to.
1: No, I wasn't. Um. Uh, yeah.
0: And you were struggling with this.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's very it's very hard to um, spend. You know, I spent my sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth, twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, and twenty fourth birthdays stuck in bed,
2: Whoa. unable
1: to get out. Wow. And literally, I could not even hold my own weight. So I would have broken bones if I had got out of bed.
0: Wow. Jessica, you are, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, you're a walking miracle, number one. Two, you're such a gift. I'm listening to you. And I, there are many times when you've talked, I've smiled here uh, personally because of your perseverance. And I so get your perseverance. And it's such, a, um, it's such an awesome, beautiful thing, I have to tell you. I I know people that are hearing you now are inspired, you know, for sure. Oh, thank you. And and the other thing I have to say to you, I see these words on here and they're profound to me, and I I have to have a heart-to-heart with you one second on this. It says here, and our listeners will get what this means, the connection in my brain that enables me to speak wasn't working. I couldn't say my name in my head, but I couldn't say it out loud. Now, Jessica, out loud means something to me. You understand?
1: Yes, yeah. I think that was the really difficult thing. Um, I, could, I knew what I wanted to say, I just couldn't say it. And um, really it was um, um, without the power of voice and the sure. power of speech, mm-hmm. you are very vulnerable. And um, lots of things happened to me that shouldn't have happened because I couldn't speak out. Wow.
0: Without the power of voice, without the power of speak, what you say is so big, so tremendous. And that's what I mean by out loud. It's just, there's so much to what you say there. And there's so much to what we are doing with our work around the globe. And what my mission is around the globe is Malcolm out loud, but America out loud and the work of trying to create a better community and impact humanity in a positive way. And here you are in bed and you couldn't say anything out loud, Jessica. You see? Yeah. You the connection of why I say it's not lost on me. Uh, Yes. You know, and you are, you're just, you're right there and I, you couldn't do it. And, and then you come through this whole process and you were being held back from this horrible disease that was taking all of your abilities to function at a normal pace. But it sounds to me like, Jessica, you were getting frustrated with yourself in an interesting way. And, and this is an interesting turning point to the story, because as you just described a moment ago, and I felt the frustration in your voice when you said, I was in bed at this age, at, at 16 to 17 and 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. And, and I'm darn well tired of it, Malcolm yes
1: exactly I think um, people don't realize the suffering that happens and you know it wasn't it was doctors were saying oh no we'll get you out of the chair for your birthday <laughs> and they said that to me on my 16th or 17th all the way up to 24 and I actually made a video um, that I put on YouTube called Seven Years in the Making. And it was about the fact that it had taken seven years just to sit out in a chair, just mm. to be hoisted mm. by a machine and get put into a chair
2: wow. for wow.
1: less than 30 seconds before I'd faint.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it took seven years to get there. So anything I'm able to do now, I'm just so incredibly grateful.
0: With all those years now of the promises of the birthday and the physicians, and now I'm visualizing your mom and dad, uh, who are, again, the paramedic and the nurse, correct? Yeah. All right. All right. So they you know got a little bit of a medical background I understand what's going on. Uh, you have a, I'm assuming you have a good relationship with mom and dad.
1: Yes i have a brilliant relationship with them I mean,
0: they've got to be i mean they've got to be inspired by you uh seeing everything you've been through
1: Oh, that that i'm pretty inspired by them actually as well
0: awesome awesome and they'll hear this and they'll smile again when they hear this which makes me smile you understand mm, you know yeah because uh, i want to hear that and that's what i'd love to hear and it sounds like your parents are awesome and what they're been behind you and this has been no easy thing for them right now do you have siblings or no
1: yeah I have a um older brother um and a younger sister
0: okay an older brother how much older
1: um he's five years older than five me, years so.
0: older and your yeah. sister is uh, how much younger
1: four years younger okay
0: so there you go so they're, they're spaced out five and five yeah and then, and then four so your your family didn't your parents didn't do them all at once did they no. <laughs> they needed a five years reprieve in between, right? Yeah. Or five years. God bless them. So, all right. So, but here's the thing. But I'm wondering through all those years. So, let's talk about the real big part of this story, which really is the point of when it started to happen for you. Because as I'm seeing it now, Jessica, you have all of these years where you go through all of this and you're fighting you're fighting to get to get out of the bed, and you're fighting uh, to get out beyond the glasses, and you're fighting, as you say here in your words, because you wanted to say your name out loud, right? Am I right?
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: Just such an honor to have you here with us today on the brink of greatness. But you're a brink thinker. You're somebody who has pushed through all of the odds. And, and again, it's what I talk about with celebrating humanity. Uh, sometimes these things happen in our lives. Uh, Jessica, we don't ask for them. We don't invite them in. We don't know why they're here. Sometimes it can be an accident. Sometimes it could be a disease. Sometimes it could be a problem. Sometimes it's an opportunity. But we yes. we, learn, we learn a lot in life. Don't you think, Jessica, we learn a lot in life from the times we're down, when things are at their worst. As human beings, we tend to learn a lot from that. Don't you think?
1: Absolutely. I think it's really important to learn from what you go through and yeah. instead not let it define you.
0: No, no. Let
1: it be part of Oh, my God.
0: I've got to get you together with Taz Thornton, the inspirational speaker in the UK I told you about before we came on mic here. And Taz will hear this because I'm going to make sure she has a copy of this. (laughs) And we'll connect up somehow and do something because you're definitely going to meet her as an inspirational speaker. Uh, She'll be so moved by your story. She may already know about it, for all I know. Uh, It's very, very possible. Friends, we're going to pause right here and uh, pick up this uh, really... Dramatic but uplifting and beautiful story that I, I just think is tremendous. Jessica Taylor Beerman, on the brink of greatness.
2: Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep.
0: So we're back with you. We join you here, the girl behind dark glasses. Uh, We are speaking about Jessica Taylor Bierman, And uh, I think it's a most unique story of what she's going through and where she's at. Now she's 28 now. Uh, She's really gone through, well, most of her life, half of her life in a very unnormal setting. The motivation behind you now and wanting to get out of that bed. What's the turning point for you what happens, how does it happen, and how do you, because really in a time, in a period of what, you've made a lot of progress over the past year, have you not?
1: I have. um, Yeah, so really the changing point happened, um, and it's mentioned in the book, uh, three years into my um, journey of being in hospital for four years constantly, um, I basically came up with a theory of um wanting to do something that brought hope to people. And with this um disease you can't have loads of visitors because it overstimulates you and you get very poorly from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of my friends didn't actually know anything about what I what I was going through. So I came up with this idea of um painting through laughter. Basically, I um, realized that laughing created an automatic response um, where even if you couldn't move properly, you would jerk uncontrollably. So, and so with a paintbrush in my, placed so it balanced on my hand, I basically recorded the laughter. So, the paintbrush would have paint on it. Anytime that someone made me laugh, my tummy would shake um and that created the paintings and weirdly by doing that I really taught myself how to um actually move again because it connected my brain to my body and helped to under- to, to get that connection working again so I could learn how to move again
0: yeah and you know when you say earlier here about you wanted to help other people or be inspired here you are bedridden for all these years having the struggles of a lifetime and you're thinking about how to inspire other people
1: um yeah i know it was just i felt the world was in a we needed positivity we needed something to be hopeful for and i knew that people used to Moan about things that were that didn 't matter, you know, and I just wanted to show people that life is too important, too special, to yeah. waste any of it
0: yeah, yeah, okay, so what you say there um, is is a profound statement about the fact that there are many people who worry about things that don 't matter. Listen to those words, please, everybody, of Jessica Taylor Bierman, I, I plead with you all to listen to those words. Let's all listen to those words. Uh, that we worry about things that really don't matter. So what really is the value of a life, people? What's the value of a life? What's the value of all of our lives? And what are we here for? What's our purpose? You know, I think about that, Jessica, a lot in the big picture of life. And uh, you inspire me when you say that because... Clearly, we worry all, We're, the world, you know, stress and anxieties and grief and trauma, it's all built into the human psyche, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it's really important to take what happens to you and actually learn from it and um, not take it. I think often with um, a chronic illness like ME, yeah you grieve for the life you once had and i think that's a really tough thing to get Mm -hmm. to get used to because you're suddenly having to change your expectations of life
0: well that's Um, the measurement of success the reason that jessica you're a success and you're a big success is because what you just said, you're, a, you're, a, you're such a huge success. You're a tremendous success. You're such a successful person, Jessica, because for you to say and remind all of us that we need to take those setbacks, those difficulties, those moments, those experiences, whatever they may be, and we need to learn from them. See, that is exactly the measurement and definition of success. And nobody really understands or realizes that in the way that we should. Do you see what I'm saying, Jessica?
1: Yes, I do. That's
0: it. And you got it. You know it. You got it. And it's there, and it's you so get that part of it. That's how we grow as people though, Jessica. And so you started to do that in your life through everything you had been through, and you learned that um, you were gonna use all this to make not only yourself better, but I'm, I'm gonna take a, a guess at this now, Jessica. You wanted to also make the world better.
1: Yes, I think, I think if we all make a difference to I love the quote that they have, which is: "You might not feel like you're making a difference to the whole world, but you could change somebody's world."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that speaks volumes, really.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. So let's talk about Share a Star. You started this. You founded it in 2010. So at that point in 2010, you were um, what? You you were uh, you, you were pretty sick.
1: I was in hospital, yeah, and um, I started Shara Star because I lost my gran whilst I was um, whilst I was ill in hospital, and um, she was like a second mom to me, um, a, like the rock of the family, and-
0: This is your grandmother dad, now? Your grandma?
1: Yes. It's, it's was this your mom's
0: mom or your dad's mom?
1: Yeah, my mom's mom, and okay. she unfortunately had a- Cardiac arrest and wow. um, well, and died from it. So it was a very sudden thing to lose her, and I wasn't able to go to the funeral or anything like that. And basically, my gran used to um, always bring sparkle. It was all about bringing a smile to someone's wow. face by changing what happens in that day. And and so what we started to do was make holding stars. Um. And they were designed so when you're really ill, mm-hmm. holding on to something is like holding on to your world. And so what we do with these stars is we create them so they are literally unique to the child we're helping. Mm-hmm. Or this teenager, um, you know, it, it's it's unique to them. It has everything that makes them them. So, for example... Um, I've made one with Teenage Ninja Turtles on it. Um, I've made one that, that has a magician on it and all different things. Um, literally we've made three, over 300 stars and, um, not one of them is the same.
0: And this is to help the the kids that are sick.
1: Yeah. Yes, it is. It's to bring back the sparkle in their lives. You know, to bring back
0: it's... the sparkle, which is grandma. What was grandma's first name, please? <laughs>
1: Elizabeth.
0: Elizabeth. Wow, a great English name, right?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about this blog, the world of one room. What would tell me about the blog, please?
1: Yeah. So basically, I came up with I. I, I really feel that in my writing, I'm um, very. One of my strengths is coming up with, sort of names for, for something that that get you thinking mm-hmm. and so so basically the idea of having a world that is one room mm-hmm. that was my life and um i spent 10 years constantly in a world of one room not getting out from that room and everything you know my bed was my house and it it was a different way of looking at it because i think you could either think of it as a prison or you could take it back and actually say, no, it's actually my world. And it's a much nicer way of thinking about it.
0: So you and were doing so, everything with inside of yourself. Uh, you were doing everything you could possibly do to hold on to your sanity and to build something better. for. But you that was a struggle, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, this it, is an incredible struggle because it's not, no teenager, no child, no—not even a p- normal adult would want that. As they, they should like. never
0: have to go through that, is what you're saying. No, you never have absolutely. to go through that. But you created a world of—you uh, had to create your own world, is what you did, Jessica. And or you would have been—you would have gone insane, probably. You see? So I
1: think, yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah. I've been very lucky that my mental health has been very stable. I've not suffered depression or anything
0: like that. And that's hard to do. That's hard to do, Jessica. And I'm telling you, that is, oh my, is that hard to do. That is wicked Uh, hard to do. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think that was only through the way I dealt with um, my condition. So calling my surroundings a world rather Mm. than a prison, um, the way I thought about things Oh, um, yeah. helped the way I processed it The World of One Room is um, it's on Facebook and it only has 7,000 um, likes on it mm-hmm. um, but I use it on my website as my blog um, okay. and so I write because in my time of hospital literally that bug um, the dictaphone became my best friend it was like, it was my um, counsellor, it was my everything you know because I didn't have visitors all the time um I wasn't able to cope with that um and so basically these blog entries are all written to bug so for example I had one um that said dear bug I'm still missing and okay. the idea um about that is it was a blog written about emmy awareness and how a new initiative has um, been made, um, which is called Millions Missing. And so the idea is that it's millions missing in funds for biomedical research. But there's also millions of people missing from their lives. And I think it's a very powerful way of describing what happens when you get chronically unwell with severe amy.
0: Jessica, what does the future hold?
1: Uh, well, the future is very bright at the moment um because i'm actually um twenty four weeks pregnant um,
0: oh wow th- yeah. wow wow <laughs> congratulations congratulations twenty four weeks pregnant so you are going to be a mom
1: yes, I am, which is really um amazing because I li- both me and my husband. Thought that it would never happen for okay. us because I just so you're to married something.
0: now. You're married,
1: yes, I am,
0: and you live with your husband, then you have your own home. Or
1: I live, um, it, with my um dad as well. Um, but but so I live in the family home, but um, okay, the the house got um extended so that I could have a room downstairs. So I've got to stay here at the moment. Um, but, but yes, so, um, so the future is a lot brighter than it was.
0: Right. And so you're taking on each step forward. You're taking on new things in life back to the opportunities. And this is a big step having a child. You're ready for this, huh?
1: Um, I don't know if I'm ready, but (laughs) I will be ready by the time it happens. (laughs) I,
0: um, so. yeah and what do the doctors say about that your your body can handle it okay
1: uh yeah it's it's um it's 50 50 some people either get um because of the pregnancy hormone basically kickstarts your body to rewires it and mm-hmm. start it starts working again um or you can get incredibly unwell with it i've been lucky that i've seen some improvements in my health but when you have the baby that those improvements don't necessarily stay you can go back you're not as ill as you used to be but you're, you're still very ill um but but yeah it's it was amazing because I started making progress and I just thought it was me my me getting a bit better mm-hmm. and then it turned out that actually I, I was um pregnant and um that was what was causing it
2: wow
0: that's a big life changer isn't it
1: yeah i think with a lot of um autoimmune diseases um that kind of um yeah it can happen that way that you can see like improvements in health when it's an autoimmune disease
0: how many years have you been married
1: i've been married two years two years and i've been with my husband Samuel, for
0: four years I was going to say how does, how did you meet your husband
1: randomly just over the internet um, and <laughs> yeah it was it was quite amazing because um really it I didn't want to waste time i I think it's so precious you mm-hmm. don't get many options many opportunities to redo yep. things I'd lost out on so much, so when I, you don't I want to waste messed- another minute, right. Exactly. And when I met Samuel, I just knew it was right.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And so it's been a couple of years and you're a family now. And uh, so when that picture was taken at the bookstore, he was, you were, you were married then. He was still.
1: Yes, I was. Yeah.
0: Interesting. And uh, was he there uh, while you were doing the book uh, store uh, tour there? Yes. Yeah. He's,
1: he's brilliant at supporting me and what I do.
0: I was going to say he must be very proud of you in that case. And, You know, a lot of relationships today, Jessica, I'm finding are coming from the internet, aren't they?
1: Oh, yes. I think for me, when I first met Samuel, I actually couldn't get out of my room. And um, it was amazing to have someone, because he's not actually unwell himself, um, but he literally treated me just as a normal person. You know, there was was no, oh, she looks sick, she's in a bed it was just talking to me like a normal person and i knew that was a very special thing in him and um mm-hmm. i wish more people were like it
0: so he was he was right he was he was respectful in treating you as you should be
1: right? yeah my disability mm-hmm. yeah was not what he saw
0: amen to that and a lot of people don't do that do they
1: no, they don't. And I think it's a really important thing to um, try and spread to people that, you know, disability doesn't need to me- mean that we are less of a person.
0: Well, you prove that. You're proving that every minute of the day. I mean, you, you are a living example of what that means, Jessica. Thank you. Yeah, you're, you mean all of that. I mean, so you've, got, you've done so much and you've accomplished so much. And let me go through some of this. So the, I want to tell folks the websites here. Um, and uh, you're, you have one website that's called jtay.co.uk. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So jtay.co.uk. Um, basically, when I was um, – before I was ill, everyone called me Jess, and um, that was where it was. A lot of things happened in the hospital. And basically, when I came out of hospital, I decided that I would prefer to be called Jessica – But for a lot of my friends, um, they found it a bit hard because I used to say I didn't like the name, so they um, they called me J Tay, which was Mm -hmm. because obviously my uh, Jessica, obviously Jay, and then my and Taylor. I like J
0: Tay, by the way. I think it's really catchy. (laughs) It's right, J Tay. So, uh, does some call you that now, J Tay?
1: Yeah, yeah. I
0: wish I knew that at the beginning. I would have been calling you JT (laughs) through the entire program, love. (laughs) No,
1: it's fine. I I like Jessica, so we're good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But your friends obviously call you JT. Next time I'll call you JT. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) And then you also have the shareastar.org, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: And that's the, that's a not for profit. That's now.
1: the charity. Yeah, that's yeah. the charity. Um,
0: and and, can, what, and how do people, do they donate there or what happens there? How do yeah, you...
1: you can donate to it. I mean, at the moment we work within the UK. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, we have a lot we, of people who listen from the UK. A lot of people who listen around yeah. the world to uh, the Talk Radio Network. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that would be amazing just to visit the website. And um, I hope you learn something from it.
0: You hope we learn something from it. Well, Miss Jessica taylor Bierman, we've learned lots from you today, for sure. Uh, you are a tremendous inspiration uh, in so many ways. You are just, uh, what a gift you are. Uh, and I am wishing so much success and happiness and love for you as you take on your family and uh, your new baby and everything else that comes your way. I hope that uh, we uh, keep you close by here as a friend of this network and what we're trying to accomplish, love, I mean, okay? I
1: would love to. Uh,
0: these are incredible stories, friends, uh, that are on the brink of greatness, and uh, for this reason, I mean, people that are just, um, they defy the odds. They uh, are amazing, and they're out on the front lines, and there are there are people like Jessica out there, and... Um, they redefined life is what it is. They redefined life and they redefine it for a lot of us to be able to look at and, and grab something from that. There are so many lessons here. You couldn't be able to put this into one simple lesson or element. There's so much to learn from this conversation today. I hope you take it with you. I hope you have a jump in your step and I'm wishing you the best out there as well as you take on every day forward in your lives remember the brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and the limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back, friends? And like Jessica did, remember to take the next leap forward.